0: Thank you, Don. Well, how's everybody doing today? Y'all look good. You feel good? All right. Well, let's um, flip over in our Bibles. If you have your Bible with you or you can follow along on the screen here in just a moment to Isaiah chapter 40. I want to give you a few words of introduction before we jump into that. Um, we're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture today. let be flipping around through the Scriptures. Uh, so just keep your Bible handy. Um, We're going to read from Isaiah chapter 40, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. um, The people of of Judah, the nation of Israel, was split into two parts um, after Solomon's reign. uh, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And the nation of Judah has been misbehaving, and Isaiah has been speaking against what they've been doing. And he's been dealing with that, and they've been experiencing the pains of their disobedience. Um, The Assyrians have come, and they've... um, They've been given Judah a lot of trouble. And Isaiah comes on the scene again, and this time he enlightens them. He reminds them again of who God is and that there is comfort in knowing who God is, that he's in control of things. And so that leads us to Isaiah chapter 40. We'll be reading verses 13 and 14, and then also Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. So you have to do a quick flip over there. Let's uh, stand and read together from God's word. Isaiah chapter forty reading verses 13 and 14 and then verses uh, Romans 5 verse 8 here we go Isaiah chapter 40 who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way and then Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us. All right, you may be seated now. Those two sets of verses kind of form the bookends, if you would, of our sermon today. So we're going to start with Isaiah chapter forty, and we'll end at Romans chapter five. But let's start with Isaiah chapter forty here. Um, What Isaiah is saying in, in in these few verses here, he's pointing out that God knows everything. That is, that God is omniscient. You say, Gordon, I'm an educated person. I don't never heard of the word omniscient before. It's not something we use. In our common language, what does the word mean? Well, the word is a compound word of two Latin terms, omnis and skiri. Omnis meaning all, and skiri meaning um, to know. And so, what it's saying here is that God is all knowing, that He is um, omniscient. And so, the Bible declares this here in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 13 and 14. Other places in Scripture, Job chapter 21 and verse 22, says, Can anyone teach knowledge? To God. You can't tell God something because God knows everything. That's the point that the scriptures are making here. Job knew that God has never been taught anything, and Isaiah knew that God has never learned anything. The biblical writers knew that God has never discovered anything because God is omniscient. That is, God knows everything. You say, well, Gordon, if God knows everything, I mean, to what extent does God know everything? I mean, how far-reaching is the knowledge of God? And so I want to share three Uh, factors with you here about how far reaching god's knowledge is the first of those is that god knows everything going on in creation look at isaiah chapter 40 and verse 26 it says lift your eyes and look to the heavens who created all of these stars in the sky isaiah says hey i'll tell you he who brings uh, out the starry host one by one and calls each of them by name and then when god was speaking to abraham in genesis chapter 15 and verse 5 the same thing he tells abraham that uh, look up at the heavens and count the stars. I mean, see if you can count them. God says, I can count them. And the reason is because I know each one of them by name. God knows everything that's going on in creation, even the vast expanse of space. This is why Job said in Job chapter 28 and verse 24, God views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. God doesn't miss a single thing going on in creation. See how and then second, how far does the omniscience of God go? It, it includes all of creation. God knows everything going on in creation, and God also knows everything going on in the future. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10 says, "I am God and there is no one up, no, none other like me. I am God and there is no one like me." Verse 10. I make known the end from the beginning from ancient times, what is to come. Isaiah is saying here that God knows everything about the future. In fact, this is one of the greatest and most compelling proofs for the trustworthiness of the Bible. Did you know that there are over 30 uh, prophecies about Jesus becoming the Messiah, where he would be born, the kind of life that he would live, uh, where he would, you know, his death, the timing of his death, all these sorts of things, 30. There's actually well over 100, but there's 30 that all scholars say, hey, there's no doubt about who this verse is talking about here. It's talking about the Messiah, and it's predicting the things that would happen In his life, like the fact that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, that those 30 pieces of silver would be thrown in the temple, that those pieces of silver would then be used to buy a potter's field. All these sorts of things were predicted hundreds, even thousands of years before Jesus would ever land here on planet Earth. How is that possible? Because God knows every single thing about the future. That's how far-reaching God's knowledge is. Finally, and thirdly, the omniscience of God Includes complete knowledge, not just about creation, not just about the future, but about each and every human being on the planet. Psalm chapter 33, verses 13 through 14 says, From heaven God looks down and sees all of mankind. He watches all who live on the earth. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 11. Death and destruction are open before the Lord. So how much more does God know about what's going on in the hearts of men? Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 24, God says to Jeremiah, Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? Do I not fill heaven and earth? In other words, God is saying, I'm everywhere, and because of that, I see and know everything. Which is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 30 and 10 and verse 30, Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. The Lord knows exactly what the count of the hairs of your head are. A little bit easier for some of us than for others knowing all of this too for billions and billions of people on the planet now for all the people that have preceded us and for all the people that are yet to come all god has to, somebody says hey how many hairs were on gordon griffin's head you know ex- when, when he was here on this earth god says we'll go to catalog number you know 1023 file number 941 and then flip back through the g's and you'll find gordon griffin and he'll tell you and he'll tell you exactly how many are there and god can say there was X number of hairs on my head. Just like he can for you. God knows everything. He has that catalog at the ready at all times. His knowledge knowledge is complete of creation. His knowledge is complete of the future. And his knowledge is complete of every single aspect, every single thing going on in our lives. This is why Jesus was able to say in John chapter 4 to the woman at the well, everything that had happened in her life before. How could he have known that? Well, because he is God. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13 sums all this up very well. It says, there is no creature hidden from God's sight, but everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of the Lord. God knows everything. Isaiah teaches us that God is all knowing, that God possesses complete knowledge about the universe, that God possesses complete knowledge about the future, and that God possesses complete knowledge about each and every single one of us. It doesn't matter if it's a public matter or a private matter. God knows. There is nothing hidden from God. God knows all things in heaven, all things on earth, all things in the ocean, all things in the galaxy, and in galaxy millions of light years away. No thing escapes his notice. No thing is lost on God. Nothing surprises God. Uh, Why? Because God knows everything. He knows everything past. He knows everything present. He knows everything that's going to happen in the future This is the unequivocal claim of the Bible, that this is who God is, that God knows everything perfectly, that God knows everything exhaustively, and that God knows everything simultaneously. That's who the God of the Bible is. He is all-knowing. He is omniscient. Okay, well, that completes our treatment of this topic for today, and so that means it's time for us to ask that question we ask every week around here, the most important question, which is, what difference does any of this make to my life? Say, Gordon, it's really good to know that God knows everything, but I mean, outside of that, how's that going to help me get the kids off to school in the morning? How's that going to help me as Irma's coming up through? I mean, I know he knows what pattern it's going to take up through here, but I mean, how does that help me with my life where I'm living at today? Um, Well, let's talk about that. What that means is that God knows every single detail, every single nook and cranny of our lives. Let me go back to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. The writer reminds us that God sees the thoughts and intents of our heart. He doesn't just see what we do, but he knows why we do it. God looks inside of our head, inside of our mind, and he knows what's going on inside of there too. Verse 13 continues, Nothing about us is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of the Lord. The point is, friends, before God, each of us is totally exposed. God sees each and every one of our lives completely, and there is no scheme that we can devise, that God does not see through. There is no plastic smile that we might share with people where we are that God doesn't see through. God, there is no secret sin that we can commit that God doesn't know all about. And this is why David said in Psalm chapter 90 and verse 8, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. This is why Jesus said in Luke chapter 2 and verse 12 and verse 2, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. Hidden that will not be made known. Verse 13, what you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, he says. What you have whispered in the ear will be proclaimed from the rooftops. Now, let me say um, if a person has never placed their faith and their trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, this should be a scary, terrifying truth to know that God knows everything. I mean, like, even that, yeah, God knows everything that has happened in our lives. Everything we've done, everything in our past, everything that's yet to come in our future, God knows it all. And friends, if you have not pled for the blood of Jesus over your life, if you've not turned to him for the forgiveness of your sins, one day you will stand before God and all of those sins, you're going to have to give account for. And there's not going to be any conversation there of, God, well, I, I didn't know that You know, this was going to happen. What awaits you is an eternal Torture, eternal punishment in hell. That's what awaits you. God knows everything about your life. There's, there's no when you get to heaven, well, God, let's kind of talk through this a little bit. This is your chance today, now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Turn to the Lord Jesus now because one day we will all have to stand before God and give account for our lives. And so this can be a terrifying truth. Now, so that's, I mean, that's something for you to think about. Now, if you're a believer, this is just the opposite. If you turn to the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and those sins have been washed away, they have been forgiven of you, and God no longer holds your sins against you, but rather views you as a child of God, then this is just the opposite of terrifying. This is a comforting truth. You say, how is that? Well, let me explain to you. The fact that God is omniscient, means that God already knows every minute detail about me. And he knows everything about you. It means that no person can go to God and tell on me and say, God, well, if you knew what he was really like, if you knew what he had done, if you knew the places that he had been this past weekend or the people that he talks to, if you knew God, so you can't do that to God because God already knows everything about me. And yet he, has, he loves me anyway. That's a wonderful truth. That's a wonderful truth. The truth is that God already knew every single skeleton in our closet before he invited you and I into a relationship with him. God knew my past even before he sent Jesus to die and for my sins. And friends, God knew the same thing about you, you as well. God already knew about every secret sin in our life. God knew about every bad, mean, or hateful thing that we would do. He knew it all before he agreed to adopt us as his children, and yet he agreed to adopt us as his children anyway. Now, if that's not good news, friends, I mean, I don't know what is. And this is precisely the point that the Apostle Paul is making in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. We read it a few moments ago. While we were sinners, while we were in sin, Christ died for us. Christ didn't die for us when we said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to turn my life around. That's not when Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we were in our sin. This is, this is why Paul concludes his discussion in chapters 1 through 8, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, there's a very common plot that you run into when you are uh, watch these, anybody ever watch these CSI, crime scene investigation, you like watching uh, Perry Mason at night or something like that, I don't know, it's old school stuff, but I mean, back in the day when they were trying to solve these mysteries, there's a common plot that occurs in all these old, old, and uh, all these, you know, mystery, figured out TV shows, you know, somebody does something wrong, right, they got some skeletons in their closet, somebody else comes along and they try to blackmail them for it. And then this person over here doesn't want anybody finding out about it, and they get tired of the blackmail or whatever, and so that murder occurs, right? And so then there's all this cover-up, and then the crime scene investigation people come in, and they try and solve what happened, right? So that's kind of a common theme in all of these stories. What I, what I want to point out to you is that this plot can never happen between you and God. Here's what I mean. Because there is nothing about us that God doesn't already know. He knows the good. He knows the bad, he knows the ugly, he knows the stuff that's worse than ugly, and here's the best part about the whole thing, that even though God knows all of this stuff, he died for you anyway. He went to the cross knowing our sins, knowing what we would do, and he died for us anyway. Here's the best part about all that, that even though he knows all of this as followers of Christ, God accepts us anyway. And knowing all this, God sent his son to die on the cross for us anyway. And knowing all this, God values your life and my life anyway. And God wants to use your life and my life anyway. And despite all of our flaws, despite all of our failures and our past, present, and future, God wants to use our lives anyway. That's really, really good news. And so let's conclude. God knows everything about us, and yet God loves us. Anyway, that God who sees the rotten things inside of us, who knows rotten things about us, stuff that maybe we aren't even aware of, right? And yet He loves us anyway. He knows all of our ignorance. He knows all of our arrogance. He knows all of our pride. He knows all of our sin. He knows all of our lust. He knows all of the evil intent in our heart. He knows our meanness. He knows all of the unkind things and thoughts that we've said and thought. Friends, you say, I don't have any unkind thoughts. Well, then you really don't know yourself, right? Of course you have these things. So do I. And the stuff goes much deeper than we want to admit, and it's much uglier than we want to admit. And yet, for some unfathomable reason, Christ went to the cross and he died for us anyway. He loves us despite of our sin anyway. He wants us to be his children anyway. He wants you and I to spend eternity with him in heaven. He wants to be you and I to be his intimate children and him to be a daddy to us. He wants for us to be in a personal connection with him so much so that he was willing to give his own life on the cross to make that happen. I hope you leave here this morning convinced that God loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We just have God's love. We just have it. It's ours. It's forever And it's a free gift to us. We don't have to be worthy of it. We just have. Do you get that? We don't have to be worthy of God's love. That's what this is saying. We just have it. And friends, if this truth doesn't make you want to get up every day and serve the Lord, I don't know what will. If this truth doesn't make you want to surrender every facet of your life to God who accepts you and loves you despite your sin, past, present, and future, friends, I don't know what will. If this truth that God knows everything about you, and yet loves you anyway. If that doesn't make you want to serve him with your life instead of serving yourself, then I don't know what else there is that could possibly convince you otherwise. This is a staggering, staggering thought that God knows everything about our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the even worse, and he loves us anyway. Because, friends, what lives on the inside of us, if we really saw ourselves the way God knows us and admitted that, I mean, it would just boggle our minds. And yet God knows that, and he loves us anyway. You say, well, Gordon, I didn't come here this morning to hear how bad I am. (laughs) I didn't come here to get depressed. I mean, why would I want to come here and have you tell me how bad I am? Well, two reasons. One, because it's true. And two, because that's not where the story ends. The story ends with a God who knows more about us than we even know about ourselves, who gave his life on the cross and wants to be, us to be his children and wants us to spend eternity with him, that's where the story ends. That's not bad news. That's great news. So we ought to walk out of here saying, Gordon told me I was rotten this morning. And I am. But you know what? The good news is Jesus loves me anyway. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this truth of who you are, declared over our hearts, declared over our minds. It is so reassuring to know, Lord, that sins past, present, and future will not surprise you. You're not shocked by it. And yet, Lord, you pursue a relationship with us anyway. Lord, we are so thankful. We are so thankful. May we take this knowledge and use it to drive us to serve you with greater commitment, with greater spirit. Lord, thank you so much for your great love. As we turn to this table now representing your broken body and your shed blood. We are reminded again of Jesus on the cross and that, Lord, he crawled up on the cross not to die for righteous people, but to die for us while we were in sin. Thank you so much for that wonderful, wonderful symbol of your love. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.